something I've learned during my year is that there's so many different pathways into the marine sphere. We're not a, a green planet, we're a blue planet, right? And so when we talk about marine science jobs, we're literally talking about a whole ocean. Welcome back to another episode of Conservation Conversations. I'm Manny Katz. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of chatting to Sophie Kalkowski-Pope. Sophie is a marine biologist from Cairns and is the 2023-2024 Australasian Scholarship recipient of the Our World Underwater Scholarship Society. I was particularly interested in chatting with her for the show, as the opportunities and doorways that are opening up for her could also become available to young listeners of the show. We go in-depth about her involvement in various conservation projects, the state of the dive industry, and about the Scholarship Society. Without further ado, here's Sophie Kalkowski-Pope. I'd like to start by getting your name. My name is Sophie Kalkowski-Pope. It's a Polish name, but oh. my dad is actually German. Very cool. And mm. uh, whereabouts are you from, Sophie? I'm from Cairns, beautiful Cairns, far north Queensland, sandwiched in between the reef and the rainforest. I reckon that's the best bit of Australia. Uh, totally non-biased, but it does have... The Great Barrier Reef. It, it, it is pretty uh, pretty nice. I got to go up there during winter time, which was, mm-hmm. I think, the best time to probably visit. Wasn't, winter is the best time to visit. Too muggy or anything like that. But yeah, so I guess for a bit of context, we're on the MV Ronnie Fox. We just uh, spent a few days out at sea. It was pretty fun. Saw some sharks, saw some sea lions. Amazing. Yeah, I'm now qualified as a cage captain, which I feel like is the coolest thing to put on your resume. Like, <laughs> super badass. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty neat. It's uh, pretty pretty unique thing to have i mean this is the only place in the world that's doing this at the moment so oh wow really I yeah guess, yeah after um it got like shut down in one part of the world right yeah there was an operate uh shark cage diving operation in south africa and there was one in uh, guadalupe as well and they 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 all shut down so mm. this is the only place that's doing a bottom cage i was on the boat this this past winter um did a few months during the slow season keep things keep things going but what brought you down to south australia Well, I was really interested to learn about great white shark ecotourism because I think it can be like a really kind of like contentious area sometimes, you know, in terms of to bait or to not bait and some of the ethics around um, this. I I know that Rodney Fox is an expedition company that has a really strong reputation. So I wanted to come down and actually see how they operate and, and how they do their work. And I was also really keen to dive in some temperate waters, being a bit more of a tropical girl myself. Have you dove in cold waters? I've done a little bit of diving down in Tassie. My mum's from Tassie originally, oh. so, um, but yeah, not not a lot of diving in the in the, tor- in the temperate areas. <laughs> nice. So I, I'd like to start just by uh, asking what your experience or involvement in conservation work has been. Right. So I guess for me... It all kind of kicked off around the age of like 16, very young. Back in 2017, there was a really strong El Nino and we had really widespread bleaching events on the Great Barrier Reef. And I actually saw my local reef, which I've dived on since I was a little girl, turn completely white. And it's a very kind of visceral moment when you see this place that you're so strongly connected to go through that kind of change. And it was really eye-opening and it was a catalyst moment. It really... When I think back to it now, I didn't realise it at the time, but I think that was kind of the turning point for me. So I then went and studied marine science in university. I also did political science and geography and communications and all these other things, which kind of led me down this path of working in citizen science and working in marine 
conservation and science communication. And that's that's really where I feel like I can make the most impact. Excellent. And where, whereabouts did you study? Uh, I studied at the University of Queensland cool. in Brisbane, Australia. It was valedictorian. Oh, Cheeky nice. plug. <laughs> uh, still didn't give you a scholarship, though, but that's a that's another story. A little, little humble, humble brag. Uh, yeah, a little humble brag. Hey, don't sacrifice your mental health to do it, though. Not worth it. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. It must have been hard work. Yeah, at times. But I enjoyed it. I, like, I had, you know, we had a great marine society there. We achieved a lot of awesome things. I made some great friends. So UQ is, like, third, don't quote me, but I think third best in the world for marine biology. Awesome. So they've, like, them along with JCU for, you know, tropical marine biology, UTAS in Tasmania for sort of your temperate and Antarctic sciences. Like, we've got a really strong marine science program in Australia generally across all the universities, which I think is really, really cool. Like it. So you see this bleaching going on at home, you find yourself studying marine biology at University of Queensland. Post graduating, what did you find yourself doing? Where what are you what are you doing right now? What what's what's been your journey up to this point? So I have the immense privilege of calling myself the twenty twenty three Australasian scholar of the Our World Underwater scholarship society and that scholarship program it's effectively a diving scholarship and it has changed my life already I'm only six months into the program it's a year-long scholarship and I'm happy to tell you a bit more about it but it has like I said it's changed my life and and it's already catalyzing my career in the best possible way cool so as far as like what are, what are these past I guess um, applying for this scholarship, so the Our World Underwater Scholarship, can you can you tell me a little bit about the history of this program? Yeah, absolutely. So the Our World Underwater Scholarship is effectively a diving scholarship to upskill young leaders in the underwater world. That's their, that's their tagline. That's how they would describe it. It's actually sponsored by Rolex. Cool. Fancy. <laughs> Very fancy. Um, and we also have a whole range of other amazing gear sponsors that come on board uh, with things like diving equipment and camera equipment for the duration of our year. So that's really special too. But the scholarship program enables three young people. So three young people each year get selected from around the world. One from Australasia, one from Europe, and one from um, North America. And it allows these three young people to have a year to explore their interests in the marine environment, whether that be anything from archaeology to dive medicine to conservation to expedition science, whatever it is that that person is interested in, as long as it relates to the ocean, we are effectively, not completely, but effectively given free reign to go and explore those interests. Very cool. And so as far as exploring those interests go what have these past six months looked like for you yeah so it's been an absolute whirlwind Uh, i've been to eight countries so far i've done over 81 dives and i've met plenty of really inspiring people along the way one of my favorite experiences actually was in australia but i spent three and a half weeks on uh, under sail with reef life survey on a sailing research vessel traveling around the uh, northwest coast of WA, surveying, doing um, biodiversity surveys of some of the most remote reefs in Australia. So that was a big highlight for me. Sweet. Um, but yeah, more generally, I guess, in terms of like the themes or goals that I really want to focus on, I had three broad kind of pillars. So these were my expanding like my scientific and technical diving, exploring the art of science communication, 
and then also looking at different career pathways within marine science. So those are really quite broad and I kind of had little sub-goals within them. Right on. So as far as the career pathways in marine science goes, from the past six months, is there something that's interested you in particular? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because I came into my year with like a lot of very broad kind of ideas and goals and I wouldn't necessarily say I've narrowed it down to one thing but I know for sure that I want to work somewhere at the intersection of marine conservation and science communication whatever that looks like whether that's doing my own research whether that's working with expedition companies whether that's working in maybe a not-for-profit doing outreach and education somewhere within that space is where I want to be like I don't really want to go down like the rabbit hole of studying the the scale patterns of one particular species that's just not who I am and that works for some people and it's necessary but I'm more of a generalist and I'm more of a a communicator I think that's where my strengths lie and I want to work to my strengths and try and use use those abilities to to communicate the amazing work and knowledge that is out there to a broader audience because I think that is what is so necessary at this point in time amazing so with the scientific diving, there are certain qualifications that are required to become a scientific diver. Is there a certain certification that you're interested in going for? Yeah, absolutely. But the thing I would say is that there's also many pathways to do this. So in terms of doing like scientific diving for research, there's two main pathways. At a minimum, the minimum most universities will take is a rescue diver. But if you're going to be leading dives or sort of participating most of them are looking at at least a dive master at the moment your ultimate combination would be your dive master and instructor because a lot of people find that quite useful i think as a as a dive master you can like assist on dives as an instructor you can kind of lead them and coordinate them but sort of the golden ticket in all of this would be your adas scientific diver qualification so that's your adas part one which is sort of like a commercial ticket for you can do like a scientific specific one um, and that would cover you for literally everything so with the ADAS certificate is this something that you're going to be getting with the scholarship yeah so hopefully early next year I'm gonna be partnering up with commercial dive Academy um, to do my training down in Sydney very cool and so that's all covered as a part of the scholarship different hosts have different funding arrangements some ranging from like full support to half support but, for example, I'm sponsored by PADI this year, which means that all of my PADI trainings and like certifications, online e-learning materials are covered by the scholarship, which I think is pretty amazing. That is amazing. I remember when I did my, my PADI dive master and instructor, I, was, I went through a dive shop that it was, it was kind of like an internship. It wasn't quite an internship. Um, I know some places do, do that whole thing where you... But you're basically an indentured servant for a few months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> slavery. Yeah. Monday slavery. <laughs> Woo! The shop that I went through, they offered me a, a two-year uh, contract where I would work for them for a couple years in exchange for my dive master and instructor certificate certificates. And that entire time I was getting paid. That's not it. too so bad that's, then. That yeah, was, yeah. That was, I was going to say, were you getting paid? <laughs> yes, I was getting paid. <laughs> Which is great. But, yeah, not, I know not all programs are like that, so it's interesting to hear how people go through it. Because, yeah, becoming a dive master or an instructor can be a pricey uh, endeavor. I'm, yeah. I think for I think in general most dive shops charge anywhere from two to three grand for dive master and upwards of five grand, I believe, for instructor for doing the IDC. So if you think about for, you know, a, a diver who's looking to become a professional you're looking at spend, spending upwards of $10,000 in 
in training and there's not always routes to make it cheaper it's one of those things that because it's a trade finding funding options isn't always quite easy it's 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 not like a traditional trade school or a university where you can get hacks or loans for that i know tafe does offer certain tafe programs do do offer dive master training but it's few and far between it's not accessible to everybody. I'm not saying that this scholarship program that you're a part of is quite accessible to everybody, but applications are, right? And so being able to try to get into a program like this, it's an option for people yeah. who, who are looking to get into the industry, who, but who maybe don't come from or don't have the, you know, if you're thinking about kids who are looking to uh, further their diving career, this could be a really good option for them. Absolutely. And, and I'm so glad you brought up the whole accessibility thing because I think it's not something that gets talked about enough. Like, diving is a privilege. It's, it's mm. an expensive sport. A lot of people who come into diving have families to dive. Maybe their parents dive. I know mine, my mum does. Like, that's sort of what connected me with my love of diving. So it's not accessible to everyone. And I think it's also something that we need to start talking about more with the scholarship, and that is slowly changing. But, for example, the first person of colour in the scholarship in the States was only a few years ago. Well, That was Jamil Wilson. And this year I have like the pleasure of working alongside Janice Grisby, who is the first African-American woman to receive the scholarship. Cool. And that's in its 50-year history. Yeah, wow. So it's slowly changing, but it needs to come a lot further I think sure. and it's been really interesting to hear her kind of perspective on like the way that she got her DM and, and found like some people who were willing to like not necessarily help her financially but help her with trainings and she found a really supportive instructor so I think yeah the thing that I would say to people in terms of diving it depends on where you are but I know that my, my friend Kirsten, for instance, she found a company where she can come and volunteer and like help around the shop and maybe with like wetsuits and helping load tanks and all of that kind of thing. And in exchange, she gets a free dive for the day. So that's a great way to, you know, get up your number of dives, mm -hmm. like get a bit of on-boat experience. That's, that's exactly how I started. Yeah, I, st wow, I started, yeah, I started yeah. in a volunteer program and eventually I, I abused the hell out of the system. I would, this was when I was studying, I had all my classes in the afternoons, and so I would do one four-hour shift a week, and the shop that I worked for, they would just let me come on the boat, as long as there was space, and go dive as much as I want, basically, and because I was showing up, and just putting in the hard yards, that's why they ended up offering that, so it's, that that is a, a great option those yeah. those volunteer programs i think it you know and i definitely have to acknowledge as well like not everyone has the the time or financial means in order to volunteer mm. like you know some like you got to work like and it, that's not a viable option for everyone but it is a good place to start um in order to like maybe build up some of that experience because I, I wanted to mention as well one of the things in order to apply for the scholarship you need to be a diver <laughs> yeah for instance you need to be minimum rescue qualified so that's okay. what I was when I came into the scholarship I got my DM this year and you need to have they say 25 dives logged in the past six months I didn't actually have that many so six months or until you have 25 dives so okay. minimum 25 dives to apply for the scholarship so <laughs> 
keep that in mind when you are applying the you know you just need to do a bit of um documentation like fill out like some medical forms and an another thing that to definitely consider or keep in mind if you are applying is that you require four references okay so that, and that's, that's letters as well. So that's something you kind of want to get prepared in advance. Applications are open now, by the way. So Ooh. they actually open mid-November and... Mid-November? Yes, mid-November. And mm -hmm. they close mid-January, the 15th of Jan, I believe. Okay. And so with the scholarship, is there a minimum age requirement? Yes, I was going to say that. So there's actually an age bracket. Okay. The, the scholarship is specifically designed for young people who are early in their careers. So the minimum age to apply is 21. And the maximum age to apply is 26. And I believe it's, it's those ages at the time of applying. You'll have to double check that on the website. Okay. The reason that they do that is because the scholarship is designed to give a young person the opportunity to try a multitude of different things within their year. An interesting thing is that they actually don't want people who have a master's degree. So you can't apply if you have finished a master's degree at the time of applying. Oh. Because they want people who still kind of like haven't quite chosen that direction that they want to go in. Very cool, very cool. Awesome. So based on the past six months that you've been traveling around, experiencing new places, seeing how the industry, how the dive industry works around different parts of Australasia and the world. What what are your thoughts about the job market for for an aspiring young person who wants to get into the dive industry, whether that's research or conservation or tourism? What are your thoughts on the job market? I would say if you're interested and you're passionate, absolutely do it. I think the the tide is changing in a really big way and we're seeing a lot more funding go into, I was going to say, topics like the ocean. Literally 73% of our planet? What's the stat? Something like that. Something like that. 70-something percent of our planet. God, we should really know this. <laughs> well, it's, it's the, the percentage is growing with the, with the ice caps melting. This is true. Yeah. This is true. I would say if you are if you're interested in, in science and the ocean and you're passionate about diving, don't be afraid about going into this field. And I know that when I was growing up in high school, a lot of my teachers or not necessarily my parents but um a lot of other people would say oh there's no jobs in marine science don't go and don't go and do that and it was quite a strong rhetoric at the time i think largely due to the political environment that we were in and i think in that sort of 10 years since then i have seen large shifts in sort of i'm not sure if it's maybe because i'm just like in the industry and i'm like hearing more about it but i do feel like politically there's more funding going into this area because of things like climate change, because they are funding, you know, the reef restoration and adaptation program, but because there is more money going towards water quality management just for the reef, for example. But I think more broadly, something I've learned during my years is that there's so many different pathways into the marine sphere. We're not a, a green planet, we're a blue planet, right? And so when we talk about marine science jobs, we're literally talking about a whole ocean. I think the, the really exciting thing for me is that when you're at university, there's a lot of focus on academic pathways. Everyone's like, oh, go and do your honours, do your masters, do a PhD, and there's like sort of this progression in this pathway. What they don't talk about much is the practical side of it. And there's whole other pathways out there that I actually enjoy maybe a little bit more than sitting at a desk. Practical diving skills, scientific diving skills, 
boat handling skills. We're yep. here on the Rodney Fox with people who have got their coxswains, which is a fantastic ticket to get if you want to work in the industry. There's also like internships and volunteering programs on boats to get that. So whether you go into research, whether you go into diving, whether you go into like boating and the maritime industry, whether it's like assisting on research projects, even if you aren't the main scientist, like whether it's like marine conservation work, education, outreach, like there's so many different pathways all within this one sphere that we call the ocean sciences. So if you have an interest, don't be afraid. I think maybe on a slightly more sombre note, something I have noticed a bit more is that there's definitely work, but maybe it's harder to get full-time work. Yeah. So I think for me, I was really lucky in that I actually got a pretty well-paying part-time job in marine science during my university studies, which sort of you know, launched my career and I was really grateful to get that. But something I have heard from some of my friends and other other young professionals in that area is that maybe they're working two or three different marine science jobs independently. One's a contract, one's part-time. And so I think maybe there is a little bit of job insecurity in the market in the sense of there's definitely work out there. A lot of it is project-based, but getting one of those longer-term, more secure positions might be more difficult. And I think my answer to that would be focus on your practical skills. Maybe you want to go into research or maybe you, you know, you get your instructor ticket, your DM, your coxswains, and um, you're sort of working more of like a boat handling role and you get like a full-time contract doing that. So like that would sort of be my advice if you're looking at more like long-term full-time work or maybe you want to be more nomadic. It, it is pretty handy having those, like I've got my DM instructor coxswains and the only reason I'm on this, I was on this Rodney Fox trip is because um, they needed they needed somebody to fill in the Cox's role, mm-hmm. and you know I'm, I I live just down the street from here. To to be in a remote area where there aren't a lot of people who are qualified to do these sort sorts of jobs, it's pretty handy. Like the pay is not bad, and yeah, there's there is work around. There's plenty of work around if you if you have those qualifications. Absolutely, yeah. Like make yourself make yourself employable. Give yourself practical skills, and also be flexible about the type of of work that you're kind of interested in i've done like seagrass sampling in the mud of morton bay and i was having the time of my life do you know what i mean like it doesn't have to be all sunsets and swimming with manta rays you can have some really like top quality times just working as a part of a team on the rodney fox bantering with the crew like learning practical skills like how to put a boat into the water using a crane or tying knots and all of those kind of things. That's an aspect of marine science that I actually really enjoy is the practical side and, and using my hands. Wicked. Awesome. Last question I want to ask is, is about your involvement in citizen science program. You mentioned Morton Bay. Were you doing any citizen science when you were, when you were there? That was actually, um, yeah, one of the many citizen science programs I've been involved with. That was a project through Science Under Sail, Sailing for Seagrass. So... James Udy has a sailing research vessel and he takes out students, university groups to do both seagrass and coral reef surveying in Moreton Bay and along the GBR. And that's a really fantastic program. Uh, the, the reef surveying within that is actually a separate citizen science program called Citizens of the Great Barrier Reef. And that is a underwater visual census methodology, literally just going down and taking photos with your GoPro which then get uploaded onto a cloud-based platform and then can be analysed by people all around the world. So that's another really cool project. And then the other one, I've got my Coral Watch t-shirt on right now, so I work... Represent. Woo! Yeah. 
no, very grateful to that organisation. They definitely sort of kick-started my career. Um, so I worked for two years at Coral Watch, which is a citizen science reef monitoring program, and they also focus a lot on sustainability education and climate change. It's a, the, the program involves using a coral health chart, and which uses coral colour as a visual assessment of uh, reef health. Kind of like a kind of like paint swatches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A, that's a good visual description. But because of the the nature of the bleaching process, you can literally use coral color as an indicator of coral health. Very cool. Yeah, we we use that when we we're. Uh, I did a bit of coral surveying in in Kona in Hawaii. Oh, and, awesome. Uh, See, it's, it's a global program. It is. It Over 8,000 members, 80 different countries. Nice. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so um, the cool thing about Coral Watch, if you jump on the website www.coralwatch.org, we will actually send out a free coral health chart anywhere in the world. So if you wanted to get involved in that program, maybe you're going on holiday or you're doing some diving somewhere, um, you can actually take one of these charts, do a survey, and upload it onto our publicly accessible database online. Aside from citizen science revolving around coral, have you done much citizen science involving community? For educating community? So the Coral Watch program that I was a part of has a really strong emphasis on education and outreach. Cool. So it originally started as a monitoring program, but if anything, I would say like the majority of our time now is actually focused on on our community education programs, our ambassador programs, and things like our teacher PD or um, like even our curriculum materials. So we have a whole suite of different outreach and education programs designed for you know anything from curriculum materials for grade 3, 7 and 12 to our ambassador program where we bring in a group of 15 passionate volunteers from all around Australia and they help us run events in their respective cities. So that's a really cool program. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up because... What we achieve in that organisation is so much more powerful because of the volunteers we have on board. In the office when I was working, we were a team of three people running a global programme. And oh, wow. I think, that being said, that programme is administered through dive centres all around the world. right? So it's much broader than just us. And I think that's, that's the power of citizen science is when community comes together, we can achieve really big things. Excellent. Awesome. Thanks so much. Um, bonus question. Have you have you done any uh, oyster reef restoration or conservation work? I haven't personally, but the Marine Society at UQ, which I was president of two years ago now, um, is actually uh, doing some oyster reef restoration at the moment um, at the mouth of the Brisbane River in Moreton Bay. I know that's something you're heavily involved with as well. So. Yeah, awesome. That's a... Uh, yeah, cool. Very cool. That, not to say I won't get involved in the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, kids, apply. Kids, I say that like I'm not in that demographic. Yeah, well, Young how, adults. How, how, Sophie, how old are you again? I'm 22. Yeah, okay, cool. I've had quite a life. <laughs> I feel very grateful for where I am. Um, but yes, if you are between the age of 21 to 26, you're a diver and you haven't quite made up your mind about where you want to go, but you're passionate about our oceans, apply for the Our World Underwater Scholarship Society. It will change your life, and it has already catalyzed my career into directions I couldn't even imagine. So, uh, please apply. You might be one of the lucky three. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sophie. 
Uh, where can people find you and follow your adventures? Do you do, you do anything on social media? Yeah, my handle, I try and keep my handle consistent across all platforms. It's Sophie, S-O-P-H-I-E underscore dives. So yeah, if you want to see some of my photos and videos with my fancy camera gear from Reef Photo and Video, you can check it out there. Um, and I also post a lot on my stories and stuff just about my daily chaos. Wicked, yeah, I was, I, I had a flick through some of the photos last night. They're pretty sick, go check them out. Thank awesome. you, well, much thanks, appreciated. Cheers. That was Conservation Conversations with Sophie Kalkowski-Pope and me, Manny Katz. Huge thanks to Sophie for lending her time and knowledge, and I hope you enjoyed our chat. Applications are open for the Our World Underwater Scholarship, and you can find the scholarship application at owuscholarship.org. On their site, you can find Sophie's blog alongside other scholarship recipients. You can also follow Sophie's journey on Instagram at sophie underscore dives. If you're after more information, you can find it at coffinbayoysterreef.org, and on the site, you can find links to scientific articles, sign up for our newsletter to receive updates about the project, and directly donate to our community-led citizen science project. You can follow the project on Instagram and on Facebook at Coffin Bay Scubico, and you can find links to everything that we've got going on at coffinbayoysterreef.org. Another way you can support the project is by rating five stars on the podcast and by sharing it with a friend. The more ratings and support we get for the project, the more good we can do for our local ecosystems. We'll be back later this week with um, a bit more going on on the website. Stay tuned for some blog posts, and uh, thanks for listening. Cheers.